Hopefully, you will have gathered that today we're thinking about our journey with God and where it, we ultimately end up. So we started off with uh, birth, or close to it, six weeks of uh, Nathan being six weeks. don't think Shana would be very pleased if I showed her anything around the birth, but uh, this is probably the only time we can say that Jesus copied us. He copied man because he came down to earth as a baby. He looked like us, sounded like us, and and did all the things that uh, a baby or child does. I've always wondered, though, because you can't really get this from the the scriptures, because there's there's nothing about Jesus, really, from the the birth and then the flight to Egypt and the coming back from Egypt to the, the, the time he got you know, we deliberately stayed behind in the temple. There's, there's really not a lot you can find in between. And I do wonder whether he was a goody-goody child with being God's son. Was he a goody-goody child? And when did he actually become aware of who he was? I mean, we know that as, as humans that you just don't really have any memories before the age of three. Any memories you've got before the age of three, that's really, really unusual to have them. You think back now, you just cannot, probably can't go any further back than that in your childhood. And I wondered if he actually was, was, because he was so special and God's son, can he go back? Did he know right from his birth that he was God's son? Or at what point in his childhood did it it come to him? Did he know that uh, I'm not actually Joseph's proper son, I'm God's son? Because he certainly knew about it when when he was 12, he was certainly full aware of it when he was 12 because of the questions he was, he was asking and, and answering in the, in the church. So it's just one of those things that just, just makes me think, sorry, it's just me. I don't know if any of you have ever thought that, wonder what sort of child he was. <laughs> uh, goody, goody, or the one that's always up to mischief. <laughs> We've also considered, hopefully with the demonstrations, how important it is that we put God first in our lives. We cannot have a fruitful, faithful life unless we put God first. God comes before anything else that we try to cram into our lives. And that really is when it is so good to have a partner who is Christian too, because they understand that God comes first, and they understand the way things work in a Christian family. Because despite what they say in EastEnders, and excuse me this, it is not all about family, if you can probably say it better than me, it's about God. Yes, he did give us families, because he knew we needed that support network on earth. We needed We needed the generations, we needed the younger generation coming up, and we needed the adults to bring through the younger generation, to love them, to nurture them, to care for them. And then we need the older generation caring for too, and the older generation passing on their wisdom to the younger generations. We need the family structure around us to live the life that God wants us to. So he does want us to care for our families, but not to the detriment of our personal relationship with God. We've just been on our annual journey through the Easter story. 
I've got something to show you that these should have been on display in the church but I had some little bits of finishing off to do on them and then I got a little bit poorly over Easter and I couldn't do it. These weavings were actually done by the Rainbows in one of their sessions, or two of their sessions actually, when they they decorated the boxes and then did all the weaving in teams. And uh, it showed us which Rainbows could work together and which ones couldn't. (laughs) It was quite an eye-opening moment, wasn't it, Janet? And they put all the things on there that what you know, Easter meant to them. So we've got all the fluffy chicks and we've got the rabbits and, the, and we've got some flowers and all nice Eastery colours and happy Easter words and things like that. But if you come and look at them closer afterwards, you will see that there's a little vein of red representing the blood of Christ that was spilt at Easter. You will see that there's a band of gold that represents the crown that he now wears as our heavenly king. And if you look right through and really through and beyond, you will see the cross in the background. And they've come to learn over Easter a little bit more about what Easter means, other than the chocolate eggs and fluffy bunnies and chicks that it means to them at the moment. so easy just to take things at face value, just to, at first glance, and not to look into things any deeper. And it's so easy to live a life as a Christian, a godly life on the surface, that looks as though you're doing all the right things. But to get to the cross, to get up close with God, You need to look deeper. We all need to look deeper. We need to read our Bible. We started off with the first verse at the very beginning of the story. God has put so much effort into this book, so much effort over hundreds of thousands of years, and there's so much good stuff in there. It wasn't made just to sit on the shelf and be ignored. We need to spend time with other Christians discussing the whys and wherefores of God's action and and how we need to, to live and what we can do for God in the world that we live in today. We need to develop a close personal relationship with God. And that's where we're unique. Christians were the first ones to realize that God wants us He wants us, if it's possible to just go back to the end of the first reading, the very very last bit of the first reading. Right? Yep, that's fine. He doesn't want all the stuff that went before. He doesn't want the animal sacrifices. He doesn't want the, the killing of the firstborn child, which must be such a relief to all those parents in here. He just wants us to... Love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with God. That's it. We don't need to do all the other things that we find in other religions. 
that uh, all they, where they feel that they have to give all these gifts to God. You are the only gift that God wants from you. He wants you, your life, working for him. And as we get to, to learn when we become a Christian, the greatest sacrifice is actually that that was made by Christ himself for each and every one of us. I often used to have the, I've always had a a little bit of a, not a problem I would say, but when you're going through the sacrament service and, um, you know, it talks about Jesus and um, drink my blood and and the, you know, of the blood. And and I was a child, it's a bit, and when even as an adult you sort of think it must have been a quite a strange thing to say. But to be honest, it wouldn't have been for the disciples because they were used to the, the sacrifice and because they were used to the way that they killed the animals and the way that they drained the blood from the animals, that blood draining from the animal to them signified cleansing and, and getting rid of the bad things that you've done. So they were familiar with using blood as a cleansing thing for sin. So it probably made more sense to them than it does to us for the first time uh, we, we come to it. And to be honest, that didn't come to me till quite late in life, and suddenly it came as a wham moment, and the, sacri- you know, the sacrament then had a whole new meaning for me. And um, I don't know where you stand on, on thinking about the blood, whether it still keeps you that little bit apart in the sacrament service, that you can't quite follow what Jesus was meaning But to the people of that time, it made perfect sense that the flowing of blood, blood was a cleansing thing, it was a cleansing action. And by Jesus shedding his blood and using his blood, that is a cleansing action for us so that we can get to heaven. He's taken away all our badness, all our sins by shedding his blood and the cleansing action of his blood. Probably makes even less sense to you now that I've uh, garbled it about, but it is, it is often quite a difficult thing to, to try and explain, especially when you're trying to explain the sacrament to children um, as well, when it comes to, to Easter time. But then we get to what is the most important journey of all? I would think, and I would hope you agree with me, that it's the journey at the end of our lives, when God decides to call us home, that takes us to his side in heaven. It seems straightforward enough. You've lived a good life. You've done a lot of caring things for other people. Always volunteered to do stuff. Surely heaven's a shoo-in. On your second reading tells us that it's not as easy as you think. There's a line in there that says, easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Well, that sounds pretty impossible. And surely if that's the case, then nobody's going to get into heaven. But the second reading was a conversation between Jesus and a rich man. And he was told 
that he had to follow the commandments, which he duly did. And he was told that he had to give up all his money and give it to the poor. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. That was his stumbling block. Money was more important to him in his life than following Jesus. Jesus isn't saying that you can't get to heaven if you've got money. He's saying that you can't get to heaven if you've got something in your life that you put above him. Something that you would struggle to give up if you were put on the spot like that rich man. If Jesus came up to you today and said, give up X in your life and follow me, that's when you'll know whether you will fit into the kingdom of God. Because if you can't give up everything in your life to follow Jesus, then maybe you too might be like that rich man. To get heaven then is not all about what you're seen to do for God, but it's about giving everything in your life to God and following his path for your life, wherever it takes you and whatever the sacrifices are that you'll have to make in your own life. I don't think that that means you can sit back and say and do nothing. God needs each and every one of us to act to further his kingdom on earth. There are many jobs to be done here in this church. And believe it or not, I have not spoken to Vanda this morning. But there are aspects of our children's work that we need to pray about and that we need to ask God for volunteers to come forward or to supply these workers for us. Working for God is to glorify God. It's not to be seen to be doing the right things or to be expecting that place in heaven. Reaching heaven, yes, it's our most important journey. And when we get there, it should feel great. You're going to be walking around heaven with friends and family that have also given up everything in their lives to follow Jesus too. You're going to see people again that you've not seen for years. It's going to be wonderful. I just hope that you can look in your heart and I'm no different to anybody else here and imagine Jesus coming up to you and saying I want you in my kingdom but first you have to do this or give up this just think could you give up everything in your life everything and follow Jesus because that is what ultimately he wants us to do.